Hello, and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover, and this is episode number 40, Supporting the Grieving Teacher. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the E2E community. For all of you that have subscribed to the podcast and left reviews, I have to tell you your magic and support is working because today for the very first time, Educators to Educators podcast hit the top 200 shows in iTunes in the education category. And let me tell you, I've been waiting for this day since I started this podcast. Today is a recording day, so I'm going to be recording quite a few podcasts in a row. And so I got up this morning, got a breakfast, my coffee, and I'm all amped up to record a bunch of podcasts for all of you. And I went into iTunes to look something up, and I decided to see where Educators educators to Educators was kind of on the list, if it maybe reached the top 200. And lo and behold, there it was at number 185. So some of you might be thinking, well, 185, Carrie, like, that's not that good. Oh, yes, it is. It's because of your support and you guys spreading the word that I'm up there in the top 200. Let me tell you, there are TED Talks in there, Tony Robbins, Dak Shepard, How to Speak Spanish, Grammar Girl. I mean, the education category is so wide and the education space of podcasts is just getting more and more crowded, which I actually like. I want teachers, I want educators out there creating content to share. But the fact that I uh, was able to make it into to the top 200, just really, um, I'm, I may have cried a little. So, uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you. I want to hear from you. Please go subscribe, give us five stars. If you like the podcast and leave me a review, cause I will read it right here on the podcast. Really quick, before we get started today, I just want to remind all of you that registration is open for the free virtual teacher conference this summer. Registration's been open for two weeks, and we already have 4,100 teachers registered um, that are going to join us this summer. And if you can't make it on July 15th and 16th, no worries, you can become an E2 member. You can become an E2E member for $10 a month and also get a bunch of freebies and cool stuff. But we'll talk about E2E membership in future episodes. Um, so go check that out, of course, at educators2educators.com. And don't forget, that's the number two. So if you listened to last week's episode, you listened to part one called The Grieving Teacher. And in that episode, I talked about how you as a teacher can get back to work and start moving forward after a loss. And I have to tell you, I've gotten quite a few really wonderful notes from teachers that have experienced loss of children, parents. Um, I heard from a principal who said they've just had a really tough year with staff with loss and that she passed the episode on to her staff because she really liked it. Um, and that's the whole reason I did that episode. Like many of you may not be experiencing grief and I wanted to do an episode that really supported teachers who were experiencing grief. And I wanted you to have that kind of in your back pocket in case, unfortunately, one day you do have a loss that you can go back and listen to it. So today is part two of this series, and this is about supporting a fellow teacher who has experienced loss. Um, If you have not, and this episode is really for those of you that have a colleague who has experienced loss and how to help them through that. 
Um, if you did not listen to my last episode or you're new to the podcast, just kind of a review. I have lost both of my oldest brothers within five years of each other recently. Uh, my brother Kurt at the very end of 2011, and then my brother Kelly at the beginning of 2017. And I was a teacher when we lost my oldest brother Kurt. And so in the last episode, I really talked about how it is so hard for teachers after experiencing loss because they have to go back to a job that is highly stressful and then have to face like a room full of kids every day when sometimes you're not really feeling even like getting out of bed. Um, So I really um, have gotten a lot of great feedback about that episode. But today I want to talk and do some real talk about how you support colleagues going through loss. And what I've learned over time and going through two different losses is that um, a lot of people are really scared of death or they don't know how to, don't, don't know what to say. So they say kind of the wrong things and it's just complicated because you don't want to do or say the wrong things when someone is going through loss. So today I'm just going to go through kind of eight bullet points of do's and don'ts of things you can do for a colleague that is going through loss. And this is for those of you that have a close friend who is going through loss at work. And also actually probably more importantly, for those of you that have a colleague that maybe you don't really know that well that's going through a loss. So I'm going to give you some tips and tricks about how to really support teachers when they come back from their bereavement time. So my first tip is to remind your colleague why people love them. So I have an analogy for all of you about how I felt after both of my losses. So I want you to picture the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York. And I'm sure many of you watch it on TV or maybe you've been before. And so in the parade, there are these big balloons, right? In my mind, I don't know why, but I picture Garfield the cat. But these big balloons that are basically going down the parade route, right? And they're celebrating life. It's a happy day. And that kind of reminds me of me before my first big loss of Kurt, my oldest brother. I was, you know, a young mom and I was a teacher and I was living this great life, had a great marriage, and I was kind of marching down in this great life. And if you look at those balloons, what's keeping those balloons from kind of floating off into space is all the people, hundreds of people down below walking, holding ropes, Um, that are keeping that balloon, the float, grounded. And what I picture when I think about both of my losses is it's almost like someone came and snipped all of those cords, all of those ropes. They cut them. And all of a sudden, everything in my life that kind of kept me grounded and believing in life, in the world, and having this spiritual belief, like it was taken from me. And all of a sudden, I just felt lost. And I interviewed a couple of teachers that I know that have also experienced really close loss uh, losses in their life. And I heard over and over again, like, you feel lost. Your life almost feels like, I think one of my uh, former colleagues said, You just feel numb and your life doesn't really feel like it has meaning all of a sudden. Even if you're a highly spiritual and religious person, you start questioning things, right? And so why am I telling you all of this? I want you to picture me as this big Garfield balloon uh, float and someone snipped all of these and I feel lost and I'm not grounded anymore. But what happened is that through people's words, and them reaching out to me in support and love and telling them 
that they were glad I was back at work. So people saying, I'm so glad. It's so good to see your face, you know, um, getting emails, getting these little things. It's, it was almost like people were going and grabbing those ropes, those ties and like pulling me back down to earth, pulling me back down and grounding me. So every card I got, every person that came and gave me a hug, every person, even the people I didn't know well that said, gosh, I've really missed seeing your face around school the last week while you were out. Those people kind of pull you back down and ground you. And then slowly those people start to help you move forward. So I really think of that analogy and I want you to think about when you're supporting someone that has recently gone through the shock and trauma of a loss, that by doing those little things and reminding people what you love about them, you know, I've missed your smile in the hallway. I've missed your laughter at lunch. Like, oh my gosh, I just, there's so many days I went to your classroom to talk to you and realized you weren't here. And I'm just so glad you're back. I know it's a tough time, but I've really missed your energy. Those are the things that start to make you feel like, wow, my life does matter. Wow. I, maybe I will be able to move forward. So I want you to think of yourself kind of grabbing those, those long robes and pulling that person back down to earth. Number two, don't say, you know, how the grieving person feels. So I, I call this comparison. So I tell you this because it is really easy when you, if you've also experienced a loss to go up to a person and say, I'm so sorry you lost your mother. Um, I, I lost my brother or I lost my grandma recently and I know how you feel. Don't compare your loss to their loss. Let them have their space to have their unique feelings and emotions and loss. If you've lost maybe a brother as well. That might be something that you can bring up later, but most likely that person might even know that you've lost a brother. Um, but like, don't worry about getting in there and telling them like, Oh, I've also experienced this loss. I know exactly how you feel because frankly you don't every death and every grieving period is different. Even between my two brothers, my grieving experience and my feelings were different. So when I lost Kelly, I could not like go back in time to when I lost Kurt and tell myself, I know exactly how you feel because you really don't. It's different with every loss. Um, there are times now when I'll be talking to a grieving friend or coworker that I do bring up the losses of my brothers, but I never lead with this. I never lead with this. Now I'm pretty public about my losses because I really feel like sharing my story helps others, but I don't lead with this. I just say, I know to step up, ask questions and offer support and offer support and action, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Just on a side note, I, I'll never forget. I came back uh, to my classroom and my students' parents, like, oh my gosh, they were so supportive. They got me all these gift cards for restaurants, like just so many amazing things. Uh, but I'll never forget one, one of my fifth graders wrote me, you know, I know how you're feeling. I also lost my cat. And like that one actually really made me laugh coming from a 10 year old, but like, just be really careful. I remember people being like, Oh, I lost my grandma. She was 93. And it kind of making me mad. Like at the time, like losses now I know loss is loss, but at the time I was like, okay, my, like losing my 38 and 43 year old brothers are not the same as you listening, losing your 93 year old grandma. Now, after time, I've realized like loss is loss and loss is pain. Um, and you can be in a lot of pain when you lose a grandparent. I just want to point that out. Just be really careful about saying, you know, exactly how they feel and like comparing your losses. 
Okay, number three, this one is, I think, probably one of the things I have learned over time as a person who now is trying to support people who go through grief. I am definitely not scared. I'm one of the first people to always reach out and like take action because I'm not scared of the grieving person. I think that a lot of people get scared. Even right now, I'm giving you do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. So um, I think this number three is really important. I want you to think about this as supporting the grieving person and not comforting the grieving person. Okay. So support is about action and comfort is about words. Okay. So a lot of people are scared. They're going to say the wrong thing to a person. So your support can look something like this. Like I'm going to give you a script right now. Let's say I'm outside of my body and talking to myself after one of these losses. You can do something like this. Hi, Carrie. Um, I heard about the loss of your brother. I'm so incredibly sorry. And stop there. And let the person respond. So maybe the person says, thank you. You know, it's been a really hard week. You know, and I'm really exhausted. Then you can say something like, yeah, I am sure it has been so sar- so hard. Um, I am here if you need anything at all. And then stop and let them talk. Take the cues from them. Do they seem to want to keep talking? Then let them keep talking. If they seem to kind of want to walk away and be done, then be done. But here's where the action comes in. You can now follow up with a note in their mailbox, maybe a day or two later, a week later, and say, hey, I'm thinking of you. I'm bringing you lunch on Friday. Or on Friday, there's going to be a lasagna in the staff freezer with your name on it. Please take it home for your family for over the weekend. Or in a few weeks, leave a note, a gift card, ask them if they want to go for coffee or if you can grab them a Starbucks. So the support is in the action and the little things that you do that show people you really care. You're never going to comfort a grieving person. There is nothing that could have made the loss of my siblings better. You're not going to take the pain away, but what you can do is support the person. Again, it's going back to kind of grabbing those ropes and offering that support to kind of hold that person in place as they, you know, muster up the energy to start moving forward. Number four is do something. Whether you are that person's best friend or you barely know them, do something. The worst thing you can do, and this was across the board in the other teachers that I talked to, the worst thing you can do is absolutely nothing. I don't care if you can't stand the teacher who just went through a loss, do something. It will be worse if you ignore it. And I talked in the last episode about how the first person I told at school that saw me never brought up my brother's death again. And, you know, I'm over it now. And I talked in the last episode about how you got to just kind of put those people to the side because they're so uncomfortable. They don't know how to handle it. But I'm telling you as a colleague, do not ignore the loss. If, if the loss makes you uncomfortable, write a card. And then, you know what? Drop in and ask the teacher in a week or a month, hey, I would like to take a stack of your papers to grade. Um, so on Friday, please give me a class set or two class sets of papers that you think I could grade for you. Or, you know, 
pop in and say, hey, I'm going to the photocopy machine. I would love to make some copies for you. Can I do that? Give them a prep period. Go and say, hey, um, I have a prep or a break right now. I'm going to come in and cover your class so you can get a break. Or, you know, do take action. That's the support. Um, there's so many little things you can do. You could plan a special project with their class and take their class. You could help them with cleaning up their classroom. I mean, there are so many things that you can do if you don't want to talk to them and you feel uncomfortable. Support is about actions and how you can hold that person up in their everyday life responsibilities. Because the everyday life responsibilities when you are grieving are the things that exhaust you. Like some nights thinking about cooking a meal was so exhausting. It exhausts their mind, their body, and their soul. So take action if you can't muster up the words. Okay, number five. This one's gonna sound a little crazy. Um, But I also heard this from other people that I interviewed. So I worked at uh, school when my first brother died, and then I worked at a company when my second brother died. And there was a massive difference between the support that I got between the two. Now, this is a little bit about money, and this is kind of a frank conversation, but I remember I came back from Kurt dying, and my school, no one uh, sent flowers, And of course, my close friends were like sending me messages and cards and offering all kinds of things. This is outside of like my kind of closer friends at school. But I remember coming back to work was so hard. I didn't want to do it. And I walked in and I looked in my mailbox and I, there was a card in there and I was like, wow. And I opened it up and there was $30 cash in there and like from the staff. So I talked to the other teachers that I interviewed about this, and there were some similar experiences. And we were kind of talking about this cash thing. And like the 30, I mean, our staff was huge. I think we had like 75 or 80 people on staff. Um, And like for me, the $30 was almost like worse than nothing because it was like we didn't actually have the energy to like muster up a collection for to help with expenses or to get you a gift card or whatever, right? And Gifts are actually meaningful to people during this time. And I'm not saying that it's all about money, but I'll give you an example. So I came back to school and my parents of my students had collected, like, I think they got me like $300. And these were parents that some had money, some didn't, but to all these restaurants around school and around my home so that I could order out. Um, I had friends that actually chipped in and got us Dave and Buster's gift card so we could go do something fun for a family. Um, when I worked at discovery, like they bought a memorial tree for me for my yard. That's actually out front. And I look at every day, um, helping pay for funeral expenses, making donations, offering to pay for food at the funeral. I mean, there's so many ways in which you can take your treasures and offer support. Um, so back to that $30, you know, I have no anger like towards that, but it was almost like, wow, like did no one want to put in an effort to just like pull together and do something nice? Um, and it almost felt like some people weren't acknowledging the loss. So, um, when I was talking to the other teachers about this that have experienced loss, we all agreed to that. It seems like people who are a little bit older, maybe past their forties are a little bit more brave and know what to do in a time of loss. And it tends to be, you know, people who have also experienced loss themselves. So this one's kind of a shout out to all of you younger teachers out there, you know, 
make taking up a collection, um, getting a gift, getting a memorial gift, those things really do matter. Um, and so be a leader and step up to the plate for that because it, it really does show your support. So I know that's a weird one talking about money, uh, but those things do matter. Um, the sixth thing I just kind of want to tell you and remind you is that grief lasts a long time. And I talked about this in the last episode. There's all these stages of grief and it's not a linear process that you go through to get through grief. It's circular. So you may, um, you may see that person kind of come back and move on quickly, but they may struggle in three months. Um, and they may have good days and bad days. So just remember that this loss will be with them forever. So maybe in six months, one of your colleagues who lost their mother might be kind of snappy and grouchy or slacking off with the lesson plan sharing or whatever. Just keep in mind that they have had that loss. And it doesn't mean that you pity them, but that if you kind of see them slipping into a stage, you know, where they're really down, again, those actions of support, helping them out can really make a difference. And most importantly, just be a good listener when they want to talk. It's not that you're going to treat them differently, but actions of stopping by their room and asking, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How are things going? Um, one thing you can do is put the anniversary of their death in your calendar and your phone and remember it and acknowledge it, you know, especially the first year is really hard, but then year after year. So just remember that grief does last a long time. It's not something that goes away, you know, quickly. Okay. Number seven is another one that it does make us uncomfortable when we have to comfort someone um, in the area of loss when it is a murder, a suicide, or addiction, or an overdose. I think those areas are really, really tough, and people are scared to talk about them. So being a person who has experienced some of those types of losses, and um, actually some of the teachers I interviewed uh also, you know, had experienced a sibling being murdered, a daughter being murdered, um, addiction overdose. These things are hard for you when you're trying to support something. Also, I was going to say, uh, I want to add to that, the loss of a child. Um, these are uncomfortable for everyone because they are just, they're just torture to go through. Um, so my advice to you is if someone has lost someone to one, in one of those ways, is just don't ask a lot of detailed questions. Don't ask how they died. Don't ask questions about the death. Um, just really be a listening ear. Go back to those things of like, I'm so glad you're here. I've missed you. You're such a great friend. You're such an energy. Um, you know, you're going to be uncomfortable and they're, they're sorting through so many feelings, trying to figure it all out too. So my suggestion is just kind of be a warm blanket for them, be a source of warmth and help and a good listener. And they will probably eventually open up to you about the death and talk to you about it. If you are a good, warm, safe place for them. So just be careful not to ask too many questions about that death. Just be a really good listener. And again, back to the support over comfort right? This isn't a person with a sore throat that you can bring tea and honey and the tea and honey is going to soothe and comfort their throat. There's absolutely nothing you can do that's going to really like comfort that person, but there are things that you can do to support them. My last tip is just um, to really keep an eye on that person. So keep an eye if they're struggling, if you're seeing signs of, you know, them 
you know, just having behavior that's not healthy for them. Um, it's not like you're going to go and say, oh, I noticed you're, you know, drinking too much or overeating or, and stuff. But sometimes people can take grief, um, and turn it into habits that are destructive to their life. So just keep an eye on your colleagues, especially if you're really close to them, again, support them, offer resources if they need it. Um, but you know, keep an eye on them over time and make sure you keep that support up over the time, because guess what? One day you're going to, you're going to need it too. So, um, really quick before we go, I just want to do a really quick reminder. So make sure that if you have a grieving colleague that you do remind them of you love that you love them and you're glad you're back at school. Remember, take those ropes of that Garfield balloon and kind of pull them back down to earth. And when they're ready to move forward, support them in that too. Do not compare deaths that you have had. Don't say, you know, exactly how they feel. Just offer that support. Remember, support them. Don't try to comfort them. Do something. Take action. Help them with the everyday life responsibilities of being a teacher. And if they're a parent, help them. Gifts, cash gifts, gifts of action, gift cards, they are meaningful. And people, you know, memorial, donations, all of those things, people really remember those gifts years and years later. Remember that grief lasts a long time and the stages of grief are, you know, kind of a circle. They're not step by step by step. Um, In the more sensitive areas of murder, suicide, addiction, overdose, loss of a child, don't ask a lot of questions. Don't ask a lot of details. Just be a source of warmth. And finally, just keep an eye on that person. Make sure that, you know, they're staying on a healthy track. Um, And, you know, if you see them slipping, just really offer your support um, so that they can kind of get back to their new normal. I want to wrap up by just reading you um, an email that I got from a friend at school. And I would say this person wasn't a close friend at the time of my loss, but they became one of my best friends. And this is simply a short message that they sent me the afternoon of my brother's death. Carrie, I'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your brother. I can't begin to imagine how difficult this must be for you and your family. I'm praying for you and your family. And I know how strong you are and can only imagine your entire family is too. I'm here in any way that you need me. And so I wrote back to the person and I said, uh, this is the actual exchange from seven years ago. And I said, hey there, thank you for your message. Yesterday was the worst day of my life. I'm trying to be strong for everyone and that is hard. I'm seriously dreading going back to the real world of being a teacher. I feel like everyone at work is going to be weird towards me or avoid me. I know I'm never going to be the same person again. I know I have a lot of people who love me and support me, but I'm feeling sad that my brother is dead and the rest of the world is going on without him. Sorry, I can't sleep and I'm having a a few rough hours. Thanks for letting me vent. So then this colleague responded to me. Hi, sweetie. You know, I can just see your warm, loving and endearing smile making all around you just feel better in your presence. That is a gift you have from God and it is amazing. I'm sure that you've helped many in your family members just feel better. Unfortunately, now is the hardest part. It is not the goodbye at the funeral. It's the moments after. It is natural to feel angry that the world continues on without someone special um, to you in it. But just feel your pain and then try to turn it around. Regarding work, people will act weird because no one knows what to say or what even happened to your brother. I don't even know but you get to handle it your way. Talk when you're ready 
and you sure as hell don't have to pretend you're happy and cheery. Take some time to yourself this week to process. Send your own kids to school and be with you. Do it so you can move on and not ever forget, but to at least function at least 85% of what you did on Wednesday. The pain can be turned into something good after time and keeping his memory alive. You'll be okay, Carrie, and it may not be for a little while, but take each day as it is. You can bring the feeling of grief and sadness to your class as a teaching moment. Feel the good and the bad. Make your experience a teaching moment. You are a fabulous teacher, but do it when you're ready. I'll be in touch throughout the day and the week. Always call me if you need me. No one ever does, but I will be in front, but I will be in touch, my friend. So I share that message with you. I've kept this message for seven years because sometimes I still go back and read these messages and the cards that people sent me after my grief. So don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to offer that support. Take action and support those who are going through loss because you, my friend, you're going to need that support one day. Thank you for sticking with me through these two very emotional podcast episodes. I always say that if I can touch one life in every podcast episode, it is worth my time and my effort. So until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on.